Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. everyone i am back to talk about resident evil 4 but this time there's a twist i deleted the old episode because i hate it and i've always hated it and i've never liked it and so i decided to get rid of it and with the new remake of resident evil 4 coming out so soon i kind of have the opportunity to redo all of the resident evil 4 content that i've done in the past So, yeah, I'm just going to go nuts with it. Uh, I love Resident Evil 4. I think anyone who listens to the show knows that. It's my favorite Resident Evil. It's one of my favorite games ever. It's a game that's hugely, hugely important to me. And over time, it's only become more important. And I've only become a bigger fan of it. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time on this show in other episodes as tangents or little bits talking about why that is. But I figured... This episode is my chance to really dive in, to really put all of my thoughts and feelings about Resident Evil 4 out there and really dissect why this game has only grown in my estimation as time has passed. So today, on the second entry of Revisionist Evil, which is not about Resident Evil 2, sorry, uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the original release of Resident Evil 4 ahead of the new remake. Obviously, when the remake comes out, I'll be doing one or probably more episodes about that game. There'll be a lot of compare and contrast with the original, all that good stuff. But today, I thought I'd just take another stab at telling you guys why I love Resident Evil 4 so much, why I think it's been so important and influential over the years, and why I think it's held up. So yeah, let's go. Uh, Also, sorry, quick side note, um, because I did delete that old episode, I am going to retell some of the stories from that episode and maybe say some of the same stuff. So uh, if you have a really good memory and you're like, have I heard this before? The answer is yes, and I'm sorry that you have. Uh, I don't know what to do about it. Uh, Anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's go. I remember very distinctly the first time I played Resident Evil 4. In fact, I remember the whole day leading up to it. The rollout for Resident Evil 4 was insane. Not just because it was a new entry in a beloved and long-running franchise, but also because Capcom had been promising a total reinvention of the formula that they had followed pretty strictly for the first handful of Resident Evil games. The footage that they showed backed up this claim. Resident Evil 4 looked amazing, and us fans of horror games and Resident Evil just couldn't wait to play this one. I was super, super hyped for this game in a way that I rarely ever am. However, at the time this game released, I was 16, which side note, what the fuck is time? Anyway, I was 16 and I was also hyped on a lot of other things like being able to drive myself around and hang out with my friends whenever I wanted and maybe try and like talk to people I wanted to kiss and stuff. So life was kind of busy and amidst all of that, the release of Resident Evil 4 had kind of slipped my mind. So you can imagine the terror that gripped me when I walked into school, sat down at the table where my friends usually sat before classes started, and heard one of my friends say, So, you excited for Resident Evil 4? Did you pre-order it? Now a little bit of backstory here. The GameCube era came after the Nintendo 64 era. Duh, you're saying, but hear me out. The Nintendo 64 era was a time of scarcity. Due to the smaller install user base of the Nintendo 64 and the weird proprietary cartridge format, 
game shortages were extremely common, as were hardware shortages. Basically, anything related to the N64 for the first few years of its life was hard to come by. If you wanted some kind of new thing, whether it was a game or an accessory or whatever, and you wanted it at launch, you would need to have put some money down and had it pre-ordered somewhere, so it'd be held for you on the day it came out. At this time, this was not just a marketing gimmick. I mean, of course it was a marketing gimmick, but there was an actual technical reality behind it, which was that production throughout that whole era was completely fucked. And like I said, shortages were very, very common. Going into the GameCube era, it kind of seemed like all of the same things would apply. On paper, the GameCube had all the same problems as the N64. Smaller install user base? Check. Weird proprietary game format? Check. Nintendo's weird view of Western and American gamers mostly boiling down to them not liking anything niche or too Japanese? Check. It really felt like if there was a new game coming out and you wanted to have it day one, you needed to have it pre-ordered. However, this just simply wasn't the case with the GameCube. We're getting to the point where production was improving. The disc format did make it easier and cheaper to make mass quantities of games. And it seemed that Nintendo and other manufacturers related to them had figured out how many copies of a game to make to ensure that everyone who wanted to play it on day one could play it. The kind of artificial scarcity that came from earlier eras was kind of coming to an end. Retailers like GameStop and Toys R Us, however, were more than happy to not tell that to customers and to let them keep pre-ordering things in a terrified rush. Once again, there was a real fear that if you didn't pre-order something, you just weren't going to play it day one. And maybe for some games that wasn't a big deal, but for me and Resident Evil 4, that was gonna be a problem. So yeah, anyway, back to Carl. I think it was Carl who asked me that question. That question basically ruined the entire rest of my day. I had this ambient anxiety draped over me like a blanket. What would I do if I couldn't get a copy of Resident Evil 4 and play it day one? What was the point of anything if I couldn't get a copy of Resident Evil 4 and play it day one? However, I had a plan. I would cut out of school as early as I could, jump in my car, and drive to the nearest GameStop. So that's what I did. However, I also have to pause and backtrack here a minute. Me and this GameStop, we were not on good terms. So in 2005, this is the era when GameStop was just starting its weird predatory takeover of every other game merchant. And in my area, they had unfortunately started with the best one. Yes, they had murdered our Funko Land and turned it into a GameStop. A GameStop that was closest to the mall, closest to the high school. Basically, they got the best location in town for a video game store. But once again, in order to get that, they massacred my boy. Now, for those of you too young or not in the right region to know what a Funko Land was, Funko Land was the shit. Funkoland was a video game store that focused mostly on used retro games, and they had a couple of big gimmicks that I thought were absolutely genius, and as a kid, I really, really loved. Number one was that you could play any game in the store. The walls were lined with demo units of various modern and retro consoles, and a lot of the games in the store, if not most of them, were just sitting out open in bins. This meant that it was essentially a video game store that was set up like an old school record store. You could go flip through the bins, find games that looked kind of cool, and then walk over to a demo station and play it, exactly like you would in a record store that specialized in vinyl. Once again, you go, you flip through the bins, you find a record that looks cool, you go over to the demo station, you listen to a song or two. I thought this store model was awesome, and I still think it's awesome. I've never even seen anyone try to replicate this. I know that wherever you live, and even where I live, you might find a small independent video game store that has a little bit of this feel, but things have just gotten so out of control with the collector's market that I don't really think it's possible or at least wise to have a video game store set up like this anymore. And yeah, that makes me like super, super sad because I love Funko Land. Funko Land also had another gimmick that I want to mention that 
I just think is awesome. They used to do these price guides that they'd print on newsprint. So they were like kind of comic book sized newsprint booklets and they would just have a bunch of retro games listed in them and you could flip through and look for certain games and see what the price was at that time. I think they printed these up quarterly if I'm remembering correctly and yeah, I just thought that was awesome. That was such a cool resource to have if you were someone who had a lot of old games or you were trying to get into collecting. And yeah, there weren't really magazines like Wizard for video games that printed collectible price guides like that. So at the time, I just thought that was a really cool and unique thing that Funko Land did. Anyway, when Funko Land closed and the GameStop opened in the same location, I instantly hated it. But on this fateful day, we were going to have to strike an uneasy truce. Pulling my 96 Honda Civic into the parking lot and busting out of the car, I ran into the GameStop and immediately beelined for the counter. Upon arrival though, I was greeted by a very encouraging sight. They had a fuck ton of copies of Resident Evil 4 and not just locked away in the glass behind the counter. I mean, they had a cardboard display for Resident Evil 4 with a bunch of copies stacked up in there. I instantly breathed a sigh of relief. I was going to get my copy of this fucking game. However, when I went to the counter and asked the counter guy for a copy of Resident Evil 4, he said to me, No. Now this really threw me because once again, I could see that they had a bunch of copies behind glass, presumably for pre-orders, and they had a big display out front with a bunch more sealed copies of the game. I assumed that was for people who didn't pre-order it. So I told him this, and he told me, No, they're all for pre-orders. Now at this point, I knew the guy was lying to me and just fucking with me. I didn't know why. To this day, I still don't know why. And also, fuck you, man. But I decided in that moment that there was no way I was leaving this fucking store without a copy of this game. Especially because I knew that there wasn't any good reason why I should leave the store without a copy of this game. And so I basically started badgering this guy until he sold me one of the copies that were clearly available for sale. Now I'll spare you the details of this, but basically the guy's lie slowly unraveled as he tried to like come up with more and more weird fake excuses for why he didn't want to sell me a copy of Resident Evil 4. And you know, in hindsight, I guess it wasn't super cool of me to like badger this guy at his job. But also the only explanation I can come up with for why this guy was doing this was that like he was trying to stick to the corporate mandate of pushing pre-orders so hard that he was trying to just like punish me for not pre-ordering the game, which is like such massive narc behavior that like I do not forgive this man and I refuse to chastise my teenage self. Although yes, I was an extremely annoying piece of shit teenager. But at this time, in this moment, I was right. With my copy of the game secured, I was able to race home, beating anyone else in my family by a few hours, meaning I had the house to myself. So I could run down to the basement, power on the oversized 90s Sony CRT that we had down there, and play Resident Evil 4. The first time I played Resident Evil 4 was truly like an epochal experience, mostly because that game has just the most amazing introductory sequence. I'll stand by this. I think that Resident Evil 4 has one of, if not the best introductory sequences in a video game. And I'm talking ever, all time. So many video games, even some of my favorites, take so long to get going and are so drab when they start up that when you play a game like Resident Evil 4, you're reminded of just how fucking powerful a great intro can be. Even better is a great introductory sequence that lets you know everything about the game that you need to know. And that's exactly the kind of intro that Resident Evil 4 has. So let's break it down. After a kind of boilerplate CGI cutscene that generally sets the scene for the start of Resident Evil 4, we're dropped into rural Spain, where we reconnect with Leon from Resident Evil 2. No longer the scared, gun-shy rookie, he's some kind of government agent who's been sent to rescue the president's daughter in this weird, out-of-the-way village. 
After his local escorts mysteriously disappear, he makes his way into the village to look for them and is greeted by a horrific sight. One of the men that he was just riding in a car with is now strung up in a pyre in the middle of the village. All around him are strange looking villagers. They're not exactly zombies, but there's definitely something wrong with them. They seem to pay no mind to this man burning on a pyre in the center of their village square and in a very, very eerie and uncanny way, just seem to be going about their own business. The game starts with Leon at the head of this village square, looking at the square through binoculars. After this, he has a few different paths ahead of him. He can just run straight into the center of the village, or he can take a side path and creep around the outskirts. Now, before we even get into probably the most iconic part of this whole intro, which is like when you fight a fuck ton of these villagers, I love this little introductory introductory sequence so much. Number one, the fact that the game lets us choose what to do here and also kind of lets us creep around a little bit and get the lay of the land is so cool. It's so, so different from what we've come to expect from a Resident Evil game. And it also really establishes the pace, the atmosphere and the feel of this game. The other thing that I love is it lets you get a really good look at this village, which has such an amazing visual style and aesthetic. It's broken down, run down, old, grungy, but also very, very gothic in a way that we just haven't seen in a Resident Evil game before. We've seen scenes of rustic decay in the first game, and we've seen some kind of like gothic overblown architecture in the second game, but the combination of the two here is really, really striking. It also helps that the game has an incredibly unique and beautiful color palette. Now, a lot of it is kind of drab, washed out browns and grays, but there's also deep, dark blacks and purples, as well as beautiful ambient lighting from torches and other light sources placed around the village. The village just has so much sauce. I mean, right away, you see how much atmosphere that this game has. It beats you over the head with it. And it's like so, so good. Another thing that's really striking here is the direction of this game. And this is a point that we will definitely return to. But even in the first two minutes of this game, you can see that it is beautifully directed. And it's striking because we've completely changed the control style, the point of view, everything about a Resident Evil game. In previous Resident Evil games, there was a lot of direction through the use of camera angles and the fixed camera. And, you know, there were cutscenes sprinkled throughout the game. But in this game, it's like they've done a modern reinvention of that entire idea and come away with a game that is constantly showing you striking and memorable points of view throughout without forcing you to ever look at anything. Surveying the village from the head of that town square, seeing that burning pyre in the center, villagers scattered around, and an ominous church looming in the distance, you immediately know what you're in for, and you're just so ready for it. What you may not have been prepared for, however, was the onslaught of combat that follows this brief introductory sequence. The whole rest of this first set piece in Resident Evil 4 is all about fighting an entire village of crazed cultists. And this is where I want to talk about combat and control in this game. Once again, this intro sequence is basically to show you in miniature what the rest of this game is like. It's what developers call a vertical slice. However, here it's perfectly integrated into the intro sequence of this game, which is brilliant and something that I always love when games do, especially when they do it this well. Resident Evil 4's big idea in a macro way was to make a game that was fun and exciting rather than just scary. Now, a lot of people have mistaken this for the game not being scary or removing the horror elements, but that's something that I very, very strongly push back on and we'll get to later on. 
The important point here was that Resident Evil 4 basically needed to completely overhaul the control and gameplay style of the prior Resident Evil games in order to make a game that was easy to pick up and play and was just fun to engage with. As I've said many times on this show and other episodes, Resident Evil 4 is basically the starting point of modern third-person action games. So they were doing it without any script or anything to reference at all. And what they came up with is really, really striking. It's clearly influenced by the previous games in this series, but it's also something that's totally different and wholly unique. It stands apart from those games, despite clearly being in the same lineage. The big idea here was to make an action-focused game. So yes, action and combat are the things that you do most in this game. They are the core of the experience. This is really, really different from past Resident Evil games. If you want proof of that, just go listen to the last episode I did in this series where I talked about the first Resident Evil game. Like I said, in that game, combat was more of an obstacle verging on a puzzle. It was something to keep the player on their toes and slow them down as they were moving through this mansion. It was a reminder to be careful, cautious, and strategic. In and of itself, it wasn't necessarily very fun. There wasn't even that much to it. It was really just a resource management puzzle. Resident Evil 4 takes a completely different approach. Here, combat is the core of the experience, and it is supposed to be fun and engaging. There are a ton of game design decisions made in order to support this point, and eventually we'll get to all of them, but let's start with the really, really obvious ones. For starters, Resident Evil 4 is now fully rendered in 3D. No more pre-rendered backdrops, no more fixed camera angles, we are fully in the future. Going hand in hand with this choice was an overhaul to the control system. Now, once again, you have to remember this is at the start of modern third-person action games. So the control and combat ideas in this game aren't exactly going to align with what we think now. However, it's easy to understand how they came to these decisions. In this time before the universal standardization of twin stick 3D controls, there was still a lot of debate and discussion as to the best way to set up a controller for this kind of game. At the core of this debate was the tension between character movement and precise aiming. This was something that a lot of these early console FPS games and third-person shooters just couldn't get right. It seemed like if a game had a good feel while you were moving the character, it would have a bad feel while you were trying to aim and shoot a gun. You can also see games that had the exact opposite problem. Movement felt like shit, but precise aiming was actually done pretty well. These problems were also exacerbated by enemy AI and level design. A lot of games were trying to make difficult, engaging, and visually appealing games that had very quick-moving enemies and lots and lots of stuff happening on screen. This became a problem because if you were trying to precisely aim and move a character with somewhat wonky controls and everything was moving faster from you and overloading your brain with information, you're going to fuck up and die. I can think of a million examples of games that committed this cardinal sin and ended up being like almost unplayable, including some of my favorites from this era. Like the first one that springs to mind, and I really don't want to single this game out because I actually really like this game, is Machin X on the Dreamcast. I recently replayed some of this game, and when you compare it to this game, it's so striking how in that game, everything moves faster than you. All of the enemies are more deadly more agile and just quicker on the draw than you. You constantly feel like you're stuck in a weird unfair cycle where everyone can kick your ass and you just can't kick anyone's ass. Resident Evil 4 had a number of very, very smart solutions to this distinct set of problems. First of all, they decided to make movement and aiming 
two entirely separate things. Now, over time, this has become one of the most infamous things about this game is that you can't move and shoot at the same time. But here's the thing. With the way the controls are set up in this game, it's actually a really, really smart choice. Okay, so if you haven't played this game, which, as I always say, if you haven't played this game, what are you doing here, man? Go play this game. But if you haven't, the fundamental idea of the controls in this game is letting you complete all of the actions in it using one single analog stick. And that was basically how the original GameCube release was set up. Over the years, there have been a fuck ton of re-releases with a bunch of different control options, and some of them even get close to a modern twin stick control style. But the core idea of the controls in this game is that you can do everything with one single analog stick. So basically, when you're moving your character around the world, you're using the left analog stick to steer your character. You have a run button, and that's basically it. You don't need to do anything to get around tight corners or anything like that. The big thing here, the absolutely crucial thing that a lot of modern games don't include, and it drives me up the fucking wall, is that you have a quick turn, meaning that you can very, very quickly and easily turn 180 degrees and run in the opposite direction. This makes movement in this game feel super fast and slick and comfortable. I've never had a complaint about the controls for movement in this game simply because of that quick turn. I'll say this, if that quick turn wasn't in this game, I would agree with everyone saying the controls are bad, but the quick turn's in here. It's in every version of the game. It's part of the core DNA. So yeah, sorry everyone, the controls are actually great. So that's movement covered, but what happens when it's time to shoot? Well, just like any other Resident Evil game, there's a ready button that you hold to raise your weapon, and there's a fire button. Now, when you ready your weapon, the camera, which is normally placed over the character's right shoulder, zooms in a little bit, and the analog stick now becomes the thing you use to aim your weapon. In this mode, it does have a little bit more of a twin stick feel, which I can't exactly remember if the original GameCube release had or if it's just the modern re-releases, but you can use the right stick to kind of fine tune your aiming. When your weapon is raised, once again, you can't move. Now, in the original game, I think this was a brilliant choice because once again, it meant that they could fine tune the two different sides of the control by keeping them separate. You get good movement controls and good shooting controls because they don't have to happen at the same time. Now, even all these years later, even with so many different people talking about how shit this is and how bad these controls are, I still think this is a good choice and I still think the controls in this game are great. And I'll tell you why. Because the whole game is designed around this control system. And this is something you could apply to any game that has good controls. If a game has really, really good controls, a good feel, a good control scheme, etc., etc., it's pretty much always because the entire game is designed around those controls. There are even games out there that have really good or really interesting control schemes that still aren't like incredible games because it feels like at times the gameplay and the control scheme are clashing with each other. Now, I don't know if this is just the episode where I like roast games that I actually really like, but to bring up another example of a game I like that I think sometimes has like shitty controls, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> so I talked about this on the Patreon, but I really, really like this game. I really, really like the feel of the combat. I think they nailed that kind of like Dark Souls meets being a Jedi feel that they were going for. However, I feel like the enemies are just too good at blocking your attacks and they move in a way that's like unnaturally quick. A lot of times something that would work in Dark Souls, like sidestepping, for example, simply won't work. And it makes those great controls feel kind of wonky in the context of that game. That specific thing never ever happens in Resident Evil 4. And I'll tell you why. The enemy design and level design here is absolutely fucking lootly brilliant. 
Now, I will admit that the choice to make everything fine-tuned to those control decisions does mean that occasionally things can look a little bit weird or wonky. The way that enemies move or behave looks a little bit, once again, weird and wonky at times. But the way that it plays is brilliant. In this game, nobody moves too fast for you. There is no enemy that moves at a speed that you can't reasonably hit or counterattack. There's even some very, very apparent enemy behavior quirks in this game that, once again, are all fine-tuned to the controls. For example, a lot of times enemies will run up to you really quickly and then stop once they get within a certain distance. After that, they slowly and ominously walk up to you at a really slow pace. Once again, this is a little weird looking and some people might see it as wonky if you're a newer player or you're just not used to the game, but it's a genius point of game design and fine tuning here. If enemies could always run up to you and attack you as fast as they wanted, you wouldn't be able to get any shots in. You would constantly be overwhelmed and the controls would feel slow and sluggish. However, since the game speed, the enemy behaviors, and everything is fine-tuned to the control style and the speed at which you, the player, can move, it works perfectly. This is the thing that drives me nuts about people saying the controls in this game are bad. It feels like they're just judging the controls out of context, like, oh, I just don't like these controls. But the thing is, a control system is made to be used within a very specific context. This control style was made for Resident Evil 4, and in the video game Resident Evil 4, it works perfectly. I think especially for someone like me who's not really big on like first-person shooters or like games with a lot of shooting at all, I love the slow game speed and the way that movement and shooting are kept as completely separate entities. It's one of my favorite things about this game, and it's also why I love games that are even done vaguely in this style. I love that combination of slow, methodical gameplay and crazy over-the-top action. There's something about slowing it down a little bit that just makes it hit way harder. Now, quick reminder for those of you keeping track, we're still in the intro of this game. That's how good this fucking intro is, man. Like I said, it tells you everything you need to know about the game. It totally introduces you to almost everything that the game is going to do. And if you like that intro, I really think you're going to love the rest of the game. Another thing that you may notice from this quick introductory section is that the sound design in this game has gone in a really different direction from past Resident Evil games. Here, a premium is placed on ambient sound and subtle cues. When you're moving through the village, initially, there's no music. You just hear villagers yelling, you hear sound effects, you hear the fire crackling. There's something so cool and immersive about that decision to eschew music in favor of these sort of quiet, subtle, ambient sound cues. Later, when the action kicks up and you're being swarmed by a whole bunch of villagers and a giant guy with a chainsaw, the music does kick up. However, it's really intense, dissonant, and almost anti-musical, industrial-sounding music. I love this. This is something that the game keeps up throughout its whole runtime. It's like its two modes are either complete silence with ambient noise, or crazy, fucked up, amelodic industrial music. I love that it basically just took the whole kind of like normcore midnight movie style of the first three and a half games and just aggressively kicked it out of a window in favor of whatever the fuck this is. It's so cool and I think it's really, really effective. This is another point we need to talk about. Resident Evil 4 is not just a horror game. Resident Evil 4 is scary. It's just scary in a very, very different way than the games that came before it. In the older Resident Evil games, a lot of the horror came from an extremely slow motion, tension buildup, and tension release. You would spend a long time moving through spaces where nothing happened, and then suddenly something would happen. 
It was almost like some weird elevated take on jump scares, I guess you could say, even though I really hate the use of the term elevated. I can't think of another word. Sorry, everyone. But at its core, it was still kind of quasi jump scare based. It was just spread out over a long time. And once again, there's a very masterful sense of tension building that kept it from feeling cheap. Resident Evil 4 takes a completely different approach, one that is a lot more binary. On the one hand, like I said, we've got these very quiet, eerie, and unsettling moments of pure exploration where we're just moving through a space, checking things out, maybe finding some items or doing some backtracking. And then we've got these really, really hyper intense combat sequences. This is a game of extremes. It's either at zero or it's at 10, and there's literally nothing in between. In fact, the few moments where they do slow you down and make you do a little environmental puzzle or something like that feel slightly out of place in this game. I don't dislike them, I think they're great, but at the same time, the game seems much more itself when it's either at zero or it's at 10. And the moments when it's at 10 are fucking great. This game is full of great bits of enemy and environmental design that are meant to rattle the player in a major way. Everything from the first appearance of that giant guy with a chainsaw to the first time you see a villager's head break open and huge tentacles sprout out of it are all there to unsettle the player. They're there to freak you out. Now, the fact that it happens while you're in a super crazy, over-the-top, pulse-pounding action scene and not in a very quiet, slow-moving exploration scene, in my opinion, doesn't take anything away from the fact that it's still horror. And once again, it's great horror. It's a really, really awesome experience within the genre and style. I think for many years now, some people have said that the game loses the horror of the earlier games, but I think that's really, really close-minded. To me, it's a weird take. It's almost like saying that there's only one kind of horror that works within the style of game or within the series. To me, the whole point of Resident Evil 4 seems to be to shake things up and to expand the scope of the series, to show that you can still make a horror game that is distinctly a capital H horror game, but that has a totally different control style and play style. Now, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of the horror in this game comes from great direction and just really amazing sequences within this game. Unfortunately, these are all usually smaller, more environmental things than they are outright cutscenes. Because, all right, well here I have to stop gushing for a moment and talk about the worst thing about this game. The thing about this game that I think straight up sucks. The story. So Resident Evil 4 has a story and for a long time now I have advocated for completely skipping all of the cutscenes in this game. I still advocate for that. I still think that's the best way to play this game. Getting rid of the story makes this game like 300 times better because here's the deal. The dialogue in this game is terrible. The writing is terrible. All the characters are hardcore misogynists. Uh, the pacing and plotting here is also fucking awful. It makes no sense. Characters randomly appear and disappear. The game seems to be split into chapters and each one has a different completely over-the-top antagonist. The way that those antagonists enter and leave the story is complete and utter nonsense. I mean, it sucks. I understand that some people like it because of how over the top it is, and there does seem to be a distinct sense of campiness here. I just have to say that I kind of find myself hating it, and I think it sucks, especially when you contrast it with like how good the rest of the game is. I think another problem here is that there do seem to be some like vague gestures towards tying it in with the rest of the Resident Evil series, but Nothing here ever explicitly works out in that way. Nothing ever makes this narrative like make sense or tie into the rest of the series. So it really does end up being a weird, completely skippable thing that's only worth watching if once again, you like really bad over the top 90s action movie dialogue 
and or you appreciate it for the campiness of it. If you do, God bless you. I just have to say, I fucking hate this shit. Straight the fuck up. Getting too hung up on the story in this game, however, is just a distraction from all the great set pieces, moments, and environmental story that this game is packed with. I mean, there's so many amazing moments in this game, from that first village overlook to the first time you see that ominous church in the distance at the end of a huge graveyard set into a hill, the first time you see that huge castle, the intro of so many of the bosses, like when you wordlessly push a boat out onto a lake, or when you enter something that you had previously seen kind of looking like a combat arena, only to find out that like, yeah, you are in the fucking Rancor pit, dude. All these moments are so great. And they land so well because of that great direction. The visuals, the presentation, the sound design. Everything comes together to give you this like incredible moment of cinematic storytelling. That's kind of one of the underrated things about this game, but also something that's deeply ironic is that the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay in this game is so much more cinematic and better presented than the cutscenes. Like, it's so odd. And I realized on this playthrough of the game, which must be my like 20th or something, that by skipping all the cutscenes, it's almost like you remove all the bad context of the game and start to focus on the good context of the game. Because as I mentioned earlier, the visual and aesthetic design of this game is incredible. It's this ornate, gothic world that's also rustic, worn in, and lived in, in a way that I find so, so, so appealing. The way that it's presented to the player is also, once again, beautiful and striking. There's so many great shots, great overlooks, great setups for new areas that you're entering that you really start to get drawn into this strange, beautiful world. Resident Evil 4 feels like it takes place on a different planet from basically all the other Resident Evil games aside from Resident Evil 8. It's like some surreal, hellish place that's completely out of time and out of step with everything else we've seen in the series thus far. Thinking about it in those terms, it's no surprise that FromSoft ended up taking so much inspiration from this game in terms of its aesthetic, its sound design, its presentation, etc, etc, etc. Because this game basically does Dark Souls years before Dark Souls did Dark Souls. When you get rid of all that story context, which once again I think is just shitty and detracts from the game, you can see how amazing of an experience this game is solely on the strength of its environmental storytelling and its in-game direction. This is the sort of thing that FromSoft perfected and turned into an art unto itself. And once again, it always bums me out that more people don't point to Resident Evil 4 as a super, super huge and important influence upon those games. But Resident Evil 4 isn't just an aesthetic experience, it's a video game, and it's a real video game-ass video game, if you know what I mean. One of my favorite things about Resident Evil 4 has always been the way that it plays. I mean, I can wax philosophical and I can talk aesthetics and blah blah blah, but ultimately, this is a fun fucking video game. One of the most fun things about it is its in-game loop. In the last episode in the series, I spent a lot of time talking about the loop in the original Resident Evil, how good it was and how important it was to that game's success. Resident Evil 4 is a really amazing take on that same idea, and it's really striking for just how much more fun and breezy it ends up making the core game loop here. One thing that you wouldn't get just from playing the intro of this game that you'd need to actually dive deeper to understand is that the loop in this game is incredibly fun and incredibly satisfying. Simply put, you're meant to move through different areas of the game, defeating enemies and searching for treasures and hidden items, only to go back to a merchant where you can then sell them in order to buy new weapons or upgrade the weapons you currently have. Alongside this is the standard 
expected inventory management minigame, although here it's been upgraded and changed in ways that makes it both more accessible and more fun to use. Basically, Resident Evil 4 is a crazy, over-the-top, pulse-pounding action game where the player also spends a bunch of time in menus uh, changing stat points on their various weapons. And this isn't a criticism. This is like one of my favorite things about this game. It works so, so well. It's fun. It's engaging. It gives you a sense of progress as you move through the game, and it gives you enticement to fully explore each area. Now, I've always said I'm not much of a completionist generally when I play video games, but Resident Evil 4 is one of those games where I did want to go through and find every hidden item and every secret in the game because it was so, so fun. It's just so fun to find these things and it's so satisfying to slowly upgrade your health, weapons, and inventory to slowly make your player character more effective at moving through this harsh and brutal game world. Because here's the other thing, Resident Evil 4 is hard and it's harsh and it's brutal. There are a lot of traps. There are cheap shots. There are characters that can one hit kill you. This is not an easy game and its world is not an easy place to dive into. That also goes hand in hand with both the upgrade system and the horror of this game. Resident Evil 4 isn't some power fantasy action game where you run through and mow down waves of bad guys you're kind of always barely escaping from situations by the skin of your teeth. There are even multiple set pieces similar to the intro of the game scattered throughout where you just need to survive a bunch of enemies attacking you until the game decides that it's over. This is a hard game, and this is a harsh game. All those upgrades and things you can do to even your chances against this world are necessary. They're not just there sprinkled on top. This is also one of the things that makes the game's pacing so good. The game's difficulty slowly increases over time and its action set pieces become more and more packed with enemies and over the top in terms of their difficulty. This is something that in the past I've kind of criticized because once you get to the end of the game, it does become more of a pure action game. But upon this replay, I realized that that's something about this game that I actually really, really like. I think it works because the difficulty just keeps on increasing as the game goes along. If it like evened out and just became super easy at the end, I would definitely agree with the remarks I've made in the past. But the fact of the matter is that the game stays difficult and it just keeps ramping it up as you move towards the end of the game. This makes that whole escalation feel purposeful. And once again, it plays into your desire to keep engaging with the game's systems, to keep upgrading your weapons, to keep searching for hidden items and bonuses throughout the levels so that you can, once again, even your odds of completing the game. This replay of Resident Evil 4 for me was the first one I had done since becoming a hardcore FromSoft head. And once again, sorry to keep bringing it up, but I couldn't stop thinking about Dark Souls when I was playing it. So many of those ideas about game design and pacing and difficulty that people very, very distinctly associate with From Software are present in this game. And they're not just like hinted at, they're fully formed. It really feels like FromSoft just lifted a lot of stuff from Resident Evil 4. And I mean, I'm not mad at it. Not at all. I just want a little bit of justice for Resident Evil 4. At the end of the day, I think my thoughts on Resident Evil 4 are very similar to my thoughts on the original Resident Evil. Which is to say that they kind of nailed it in one here. I mean, no, it's not the first game in the series, but it's the first one in the style. It's a massive reinvention. It's the start of the whole second half of the series history. And with this game, they kind of just did it. I've said in the past that I think Resident Evil 4 is a perfect game. And I guess what I mean to say isn't that I literally think it's perfect. I mean, I, I earlier just talked about how shit I think the story is, but I think the game design here is so fucking good and all the different elements of the gameplay and the presentation and the art direction work together so well that it creates a game that feels perfectly tuned. 
The elements in this game work together in perfect harmony to deliver an experience that is distinct, that's unique, and that is truly once in a lifetime. Every time I replay this game, I'm just stunned all over again at how great it is and how all of these really odd gameplay and game design choices just land so well in this game. As a testament to that, we recently got to check out the Resident Evil 4 gameplay demo, and I was kind of surprised to see how much they left completely intact from the original game. There do seem to be a lot of changes to level layout and visual design, which I more or less expected going into it, but a lot of the gameplay is shockingly similar to the original game. It feels like it's just cleaned up fine-tuned and made more presentable to a modern audience. To me, it kind of just highlights how much of the original design of this game was perfect and just incredibly well done. I'm really, really looking forward to this remake. I think it's going to be amazing. But at the same time, I do hope that either before or after playing the remake, People go and check out the original Resident Evil 4, if for no other reason than to marvel at how well it's held up, and what a truly, truly amazing piece of game design it is. I fucking love this game, man. That's all there is to it. 